This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. So how are you? You all okay? Excellent. Excellent. Some of you are sure. Some of you aren't so sure. But, you know, hopefully by the end of this morning, you'll be pretty sure that you are okay. So, leading on from last time I spoke, we were talking about Daniel. You remember? Of course, Andrew, we remember. We remember your every word, your every utterance, every breath you take, we focus on for you. Uh, no. So we spoke on Daniel, and we're going to get straight into it again. Is that all right? Because after that worship, I truly, truly, truly am really excited and empowered by what God's doing in our church. I actually am. And actually, in here, you can check my notes later if you want, everyone. I will be alluding to and referring to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You didn't know that, did you? I hadn't told Martin that. So heads up, church, at the very top of this message, I think God is desperately trying to get our attention this morning. And what he wants us to focus on is the fact that he is God and we are not. Okay, and so Romans 12 verse 1, get that in our hearts, get that in our heads, because that is what he is instilling into us this morning. Are you ready? Isn't God so good? Isn't God so gracious that he would confirm his word through himself and the worship? So Romans 12 1 is where we all need to be this morning, where our minds, every thought being taken captive and transformed. Because if you are a Christian today, you are transformed. Amen? You have been transformed. You were created in the likeness of God and you have been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ this morning. And if you are transformed this morning, it is to be transformative. Yes, so you are an agent of transformation in other people's lives. For we weren't called just to love ourselves and love Jesus alone. No, we were called to love other people. Amen? Because God's divine purpose stands above all things. The redemption of all of mankind. Amen? Amen. That's the call on your life this morning. The purpose on our life I talked about last time was to love the Lord God more than we love ourselves. The call upon our lives is to love people in a way that is both sacrificial and redemptive. Amen. And that means loving them more than we love us. Total silence for that bit. You get it? But it is hard, isn't it? How hard is loving people more than we love ourselves? There's a problem if in our churches... People only get love by word of mouth. You get it? If people only know that we love them because we say we love them, there's an issue. You with me? We need to be showing people we love them. Our love needs to be demonstrable. It needs to be transformative. It needs to be real. It needs to be sacrificial. And it needs to be redemptive. I'll come on to those points in a minute. But it needs to be action. It needs to be deed. It needs to be rooted in the faith that can only be found in Christ Jesus. Amen. But it needs to be poured out like a drink offering, like David did, where he poured it out like a drink offering to the people around him. Because people matter. Do they not? Do they not? They absolutely do. And the call on our lives is to love other people. That's what the scripture says. You love the Lord your God, and you love others as you love yourself. And then your soul prospers. Isn't that marvellous? See how good God is. If you want to prosper, get love in your life. That's where we live now. The law for us is love. Yeah, no more dogma, no more Ten Commandments, although some of those are really, really helpful, i.e. don't murder. That's terribly naughty. Don't do it. But that is, that is dogma. That is law. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, which now says you only got to do one thing, team. That's just love. Yes, that's the call upon us. That is the, your mission should you choose to accept it, which you will, is to love. 
And I was like, oh, okay, right, here we go. Daniel, Daniel 6. Daniel 6, Daniel's in the lion den. Oh, proper Sunday school this morning. Ready? Everyone's got the song already in their heads. We're going, throwing it right back. So Daniel was a Hebrew man of some renown, sent, taken into exile by the Babylonians when he was quite young. Yes? Remember? You all know the story of Daniel, right? Yeah? We all know story, the story of Daniel up to about chapter 6. Because there's the stories of their boys in the fire, the hand is writing on the wall, him in the lion's den. By chapter 7, it's all about his dreams and visions, and people lose, like, huh? Huh? That's a bit crazy. But it's brilliant if you read it. So up to chapter 6, everyone loves the stories. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. So now, he's in exile. Yes? Guess how long he was in exile for? 70 years in total. So this morning... I do have points, but you know how I love a sub-point, okay? So first sub-point is, if you feel a bit in exile this morning, don't lose heart, but also don't expect it to be over very quickly. That's not, and that, my friends, is an encouragement from the Lord, okay? But it really is, because during this time, Daniel was clever. He was from a noble family. It says he was quite good looking also. But, you know, he was diligent and he was consistent in his service to the Lord. And he didn't view exile as servitude. He didn't feel enslaved. What he did was actually stand by God, worship the Most High God. And during his exile, he found a freedom that few found. Why? Because he knew that God was freedom. So if today you feel enslaved by a person, by um, a situation, if you feel exiled from family, from friends, if you feel exiled in a job, what that means is removed from the comforts that you would normally enjoy, I believe, today take heart. There may look like there's no end in sight. There will be an end in sight. They were restored to their land. And it may take time, but during that time, God hasn't abandoned you. He is using you. He is developing you. He loves you. He sees you. He hears you. He notices you and he cherishes you, church. So during your exile, do not be a slave, but exercise the freedom that only God can bring to worship him alone and you will find favor with the king. Do you see it? Daniel found favour with the king through no other thing than worshipping the Most High God. So, we get to the lion's den. Now, what happened here was in chapter 6, okay, that people were jealous of Daniel because he prospered so much. What happened was he was promoted. And there were things, you know, there were positions, there were governors, all the government basically in Babylon, okay? And Daniel was promoted by the king to oversee all of that. Now, the others, the Babylonians, the pagans within, were rather jealous and miffed that Daniel had been promoted. So what they did was they went to the king and said, do you know what, king, you're so amazing and you're so marvellous and we all know that and you will live forever. He doesn't. And so, you know, but they tell him that and he says, what you should do is for uh, a period of time, just issue a law that says nobody is allowed to pray to anybody else, just you. And he goes, oh, that's jolly good, actually. I like, I like that. I like that. I'll do that. So he does. Now, the king was ever so fond of Daniel really, really fond of him. But Daniel loved God more. So Daniel, three times a day, with the windows wide open, would face Jerusalem and pray. And he didn't stop. The Bible tells us, as was his custom. Okay? As was his custom. That's important. So during that time, so 
the, the rogues, the rotters, as we'll call them, found this out and went to the king and said, oh, King, you know you said that great stuff that we could only pray about you. Daniel isn't. And he's like, oh, yeah, you sure? You sure? Because I quite like him. Huh? Mm, right. Um, okay. And they said, so are you going to do what you said you'd do? Um, well, I signed the thing, didn't I? So I'll have to, right? Which was, anybody praying to anybody else would be thrown into the lion's den. The expectation being they won't come out of the lion's den. Okay? That, that's, that's very much. It's not like you've been terribly naughty. Spend some time in there. It is, you know, like we are throwing you in there and, and you shall be ripped to shreds and that'll be an end of you. So, the king does it against his own will. He doesn't want to do it, but he has to because he signed a thing. So the next morning, he goes down and he's like that. Daniel, are you in there? Seriously, this is what the Bible says. Read it. The king goes down before anybody else is up. Daniel, are you in there? Are you in there? And Daniel comes out. Hallelujah! Yay! Go and have coffee. We're done. There we are. <laughs> and actually, and Daniel's like, yeah, you threw me in there. And it's all good because my God loves me. And he stopped the, de- the, the lions from eating me. And uh, the king said, well, golly gosh, your God's marvellous. And um, I'm going to issue a new edict, which says I'm going to kill all those other people. And Daniel's like, well, you know, all right. But um, that's not the... He said, oh, gloss over the death. But then we, but he says, but, and this is what King Darius says, okay? The King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issued a decree, a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. This is, this is a pagan king, right? For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heaven and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And today... We're talking about Jesus, because that is Jesus right there, isn't it? The Bible describes lions all the time in the Old Testament as prowling around, waiting to devour flesh. But you know what? Today, we are rescued from the power of the lions. So when that prayer is up there, today I want you to go home, and I want you to read that. And at the end where it says, he rescued Daniel, I want you to insert your own name, because you have been rescued. And when you're in exile, sometimes you forget that you've been rescued. When you're in a situation, sometimes that is dragging you down, you forget that you've been rescued. But friends, you have been rescued. So today, when you're up there at home, after having your dinner, sitting in the sun, thank God that he rescued you from the, di- from the lions. Amen? Because that's what he's done. And our attitude should be just poured out in a total submission of gratitude for him for deigning to rescue us from the lions. Because the truth is, he didn't have to. But he did. Hallelujah. How marvellous is our God. Isn't he? Thank you, Pat. You think so. Others not so sure. I'll be honest with you. But there we are. So, back to this. Now, two more sub points before we move on. Here we go. What happens here is, and you need to remember this and get this, we need to get this in our heads. The rotters went to the king and negotiated with him to do something against his will. He didn't want to kill Daniel. He didn't want to issue that edict because he didn't think it was necessary. But they appealed to his vanity and his ego, and that's what won the day. You with me so far? If we have anybody coming to us to appeal to us to take sides for somebody and it's to do with our own ego and agenda, we should automatically not be given that any credence. 
Are you with me? So anybody coming to you to take sides against another person, especially within a church environment, we should be saying that is vanity and ego and agenda and I have nothing to do with it. Friends, we should not be a safe place for gossip. You understanding what I'm saying? We need to not comply with edicts that are issued out of spite. Do you understand? Because that happens all the time, doesn't it? Where we issue something, we issue our own decrees because very often we are kings of our own lives, aren't we? That's what we want. We are the boss. We are in control. This is my choice. So we issue decrees over our own lives which says you're allowed in but you're not. Now, I understand that sometimes there are issues and there are reasons, and I'm not saying that you should engage in any kind of toxic relationship or keep that going, any abusive situation, because of what I'm saying. I'm saying if that's the case, you get to the police and you stop that, yeah? But what I'm saying is if there are people in your life who want to see you dragged down because they feel rotten about themselves or something else, that is something that we need to stand in a place and pray about. Also, if you are praying to God about that person... Are you with me? You know where I'm going next? If we are praying to God to do something to another person or to stop them doing something based on our own likes and dislikes, you need to know that God will never negotiate against himself. The heart of God is that none would perish. Yes? He has saved you. He has saved me. There is no hierarchy. So when we're praying to God about other people, we should be doing what the Bible says, which is praying for our enemies. Praying that they're blessed. Play blessing on those who despitefully use you. That's what the Bible says. But absolutely bless those who persecute you. We are commanded to pray for our enemies. So if your prayers takes on any shape that looks like a little bit of agenda for yourself, Lord God, if you, you know, could just make them a bit fatter, I'd be way, way happier with myself in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, with that, come on. You know, Lord God, if you could just let them fail that exam so they're not so smug anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what we pray. Be honest with yourselves, church. Be honest. You know, Lord God, if you could just let them not be quite so successful, and then I don't feel quite so empty and have to listen to the screaming, raging void inside myself. Amen. That's what we pray, friends. That's what we pray. We don't pray blessing blessing on the people that we feel threatened by. We would rather pray that for them. We do. Please be honest with yourselves because this is what today is all about. If we are taking every thought captive for Christ, what we have to do is take every thought captive for Christ. And that includes all the thoughts I have about where I am totally vindicated before everyone. And I also look quite thin, you know, and attractive. And, you know, but this is, the, this, is the, this is the nation we live in. This is the time we live in. Cara shared something amazing from Christine Kane in the week on Facebook. Did any of you listen to it? We have. We shared it in our house group. If you haven't listened to that, get that in your life. Because that is absolutely prophetic, revelatory words that will change the way you think and live. And it is all about how we view ourselves. Listen, we live in an era of hashtags, selfies, affirmations, positive thinking, and we mistake that for the word of God. Okay? So if anything comes around which actually dents our fragile human ego, we automatically think that's an attack by the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the way we live now, where people are actually equating likes with their own personality. 
So if I, if, if, if I get 100 plus likes on something I post, that must mean I'm really, really loved. No. It just means you've got 100 likes on a picture you put on Facebook is really all it means. Instead of thinking my worth and my value comes from a far higher and greater place. And that's the ground I occupy. That's the love and the foundation and the rock I build my life upon. Not what you think about me. Because that is exile, friends. That is enslavement where I am totally at your mercy. So what you think of me totally informs my opinion about myself. And yet God has said I'm the pinnacle of his creation. That we occupy a place higher than angels. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you understand? And this, there is so much gold in here that it is just absolutely beautiful. Daniel was consistent. Daniel prayed three times a day as was his custom. He didn't all of a sudden think, the king has issued an edict, I'm not allowed to pray, I'm going to start praying. Is prayer your first thought or your last resort? Because very often we think, they're not allowed to do that to Christians. Oh my gosh, they've banned nativities in primary schools, I'm going to do something about it. Well, do you know what? This is the thin end of the age we're living in. Where were you 10 years ago? Do you know what I mean? Don't share posts at me on Facebook about how I should change this. Virtue signaling is what we're interested very much now as a church, not here, globally as a church. Do as I do, not as I say. You know? What does it show that they're all about? Do as I say, not as I do. We can do what we like, but actually we're going to tell you exactly what you should be doing. And God's saying, that's not how I set it up. That isn't what I'm saying. That's not what I said. I told you to love your enemies. I told you to pray for people. And I told you to elevate me and worship me alone. Whereas what we're doing, we get into a place where what we want to do is be inconsistent in our devotion to God, but expect God to be completely consistent with us. Right? So our devotion, Daniel was an uncompromising personality. He did not waver, is it, in his devotion to God. He prayed three times a day facing Jerusalem, as was his custom. He didn't start doing that because Darius got a little bit of a bee in his bonnet about being more important than God. He knew who he was, and he was praying for the exiles for 70 years, friends. And he prayed that every day. How consistent are we in our devotions with God? How consistent, I'm asking that question of myself this morning. How consistent are we in our devotions to God? Because this morning, we have worshipped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and told him that this is my desire, to honour you until I go home. Whereupon, I'll spend quite a bit of time on my screen, worrying that I'm not good enough, feeling inadequate, being a bit jealous that people have got more than me. Instead of thinking, do you know what? I'm going to pray for people. People got breakthrough last week. Yeah. Hallelujah. People, yeah. got, people got set free in this house last week. Yeah. We should be praying for them. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. That's what we should be praying for. We should be praying that now that they are in their freedom, they're setting more captives free in Jesus' name. Come on. That's what we should be praying. And that is where we stand. Are we consistent in our devotions to God? Are we consistent? Are we consistently saying, no, King, I won't worship your picture. I won't pray about you. I only worship God. Do your worst. Chuck me in a lion's den. But this is where I am. Because we do throw each other to the lions, don't we? Don't we? 
we we do we do and if today is about anything friends this is no judgment no condemnation this is meant to be encouraging um okay maybe i'll i'll throw i'll throw a few jokes in in a minute it's okay we will we'll be fine but this is where we are at do you understand the lion's den is real the lion is real the new testament tells us in 1 peter 5 it says sin and the devil is like a roaring lion looking for something and someone to devour because what it doesn't do it doesn't just play with its food a lion it clamps its jaws around your neck and it will kill you stone dead there's no mercy sin is not looking to give you a better life sin is not looking to ease your fragile ego sin is not looking for you to have any more friends than you've got now or to be better than you are now sin is looking to devour you sin is looking to destroy you and when he comes, he destroys completely. So the little things we think don't matter, like praying for people, yeah? Like giving people a kind word, like showing people we love them in a meaningful and real way. Those things really, 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 really matter because actually sin will devour. And if it's, if it's the difference between a kind word or not, that is upon us. Do you understand? Oh my goodness. Okay, great. Anyway, so I've got, th- I've got three points. That's all I've got this morning. What time is it? How long have I been? Doesn't matter. Anyway, right. So I've got three points about love and space. So the love on display, okay? This is indicative of the love shown to us by God through Jesus Christ. Amen. So it is symbolic of how we should love other people. Yeah? yeah? This is the good bit, Katie. Don't worry. It's all coming. Right. So point one, I've got a picture for you. This is the first point I came up with. We got it, Lee? Right. Yeah? My first point is just this. Lions are cool, right? I went, I fell, when I was studying this, I fell down an internet lion hole. And it was, they're amazing. They're amazing. And before you know it, you're looking at clips from The Lion King and David Attenborough and Googling in a fight between a lion and a tiger who would win. There is, there is those things on there. They are basically um, thugs, you know? They are, they are, they look rather lovely. One of the things I go, what does a lion smell like? And um, rank is the answer. Okay. Our African friends are going, yep, yep. One smell, never forgotten. So they're just cool. Point one, write that down. Here we go. Point two, right. That's all I had to say about that. Lions are cool. So point two, or point one, however you want to look at it, is this. The love shown to us and the love we show others should be sacrificial should be based in sacrifice in view of the huge sacrifice made by Jesus Christ for us while we were still sinners our love for others should be sacrificial what sacrificial means is you give up something you really 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 love for someone else that's the bottom line so the love shown to Daniel the love that Daniel stood up Daniel went to the lion's den so nobody else would have to That's what he did. He was important. He was a figure in their society, but he did it so nobody else would have to. Our love for others should be sacrificial. And it is based in um, the love of Jesus Christ. That's where it begins and ends, friends. We can talk about theology till the cows come home. We can go through, you know, the eschatology of the book of Esther for as long as you like. But everything boils down to this. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That is it. Jesus died for me when I didn't deserve it. And so the love I show others 
even if they deserve it or not, is the same as Christ showed me when I didn't deserve it. That is what our gospel boils down to. If we don't understand the kingdom and its values, we are missing the boat on this because we can do as much as we want of good things. And good things matter. Don't misunderstand me. Goodness matters and good actions matter and being a good person matters. But if none of it has love at its root, it is nothing in God's eyes. Do you understand? It is nothing in God's eyes if it isn't rooted in the love that was shown to us through Jesus Christ on the cross. That it sounds hard to take, but that is what it is. That is where we come to. And so it is upon us, Romans 12, 1, here we go. This is what we do. We take every single bit of our lives and we submit it to Jesus Christ through his blood on the cross. Amen? So everything... So everything I am now, everything I was, and everything I'm going to be is submitted to Jesus Christ and his great love. You get it? Yeah. So your past is gone. Your past is gone. You don't need to hold on to that and own that anymore. You submit it to the love of Jesus Christ, shed abroad for us by his blood on the cross. Everything you are now, it's not ours to own. We submit it to the love of Jesus Christ shown for us on the cross. And everything I'm going to be, I don't want to be anything. He doesn't want me to be anyway. So everything I could possibly be, I submit to his love. Praying that opportunities that come along, I have the wisdom and discernment to know what is a God thing and what is a good thing and to make my choices therein because I have submitted everything I want to be to him and his love shown to us on the cross. So my dreams, my desires, my secrets, my good stuff, my bad stuff, my walking around life, my going to sleep at night. Every breath that comes out of my body is submitted to the love of Jesus Christ shown to us on the cross. Do you understand? Do you understand what taking every thought captive means? It means when those negative things come in to needle at you. And they do. They do. They push away at you. And they grind you down. That's what it's meant to do. We have an enemy who wants to kill us, right? He doesn't want you enjoying a sound mind. He doesn't want you enjoying your life. He doesn't want you living in the fullness that can only be got through Christ Jesus. He wants to needle away at you until you throw in the towel and say, I can't do it anymore. But God lifts up your chin and says, I sent my son to die for you. You can do it. I love you. You can do it. So we submit everything that we are and could be and want to be to him and his love. And that's how we transform ourselves and the world around us. Because suddenly people think, why is that not important to you? Because only Jesus is important to me. And let me tell you, as you will find out with Daniel, a life that honours God, God will honour. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a, a fairy tale. A life that honours God, God honours. A life that prospers the kingdom values and gospels of Jesus Christ, God prospers. You prosper as your soul prospers. That's what the Bible tells us. Isn't that right? You prosper as your soul prosper. If your soul is withered and resentful or empty and shattered, how can you prosper if your soul is like that? You prosper as your soul prospers. So submit everything. Take every thought and hold it captive to God. Yes? Isn't it great? See, I think that's a reasonable service. I think in the deal, we come out of it pretty well. Because none of us are expected to hang on a cross for three days, having been brutalised. Are we not? No, we're not. 
So actually, we come out of the deal pretty well. So is that not a reasonable service? All he's saying is, I'd really quite like you to love me and to give me all your thoughts. I've done the rest. It's done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes? Well, you're all like that. Do you know what? I promise to be a full 10% funnier next time when I speak, okay? Because you all look a little bit sad. But, but, I cannot get away from this. Do you know what? We, uh, it irks me. Oh, there we are. I have written on my notes, don't go off and run. But I feel it might be a bit too late. So, it irks me. I look at Facebook and I look at Instagram. I follow churches around the world. I look at it and I am irked by the amount of people who play church rather than be it. Time is short and I am not about playing anymore. Do you understand? I see so much on there that supports issues and politics that is completely opposite to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm done, friends. I'm done. Okay? So we need to be a church that is consistently standing up for the love of God in people's lives. Poverty is a disgrace. Right? Poverty is disgusting. Poverty is not godly. And I am furious and enraged about it furious and enraged about it when hundreds of millions can be given to rebuild a monument and there are people on the streets begging and don't know where their next meal's coming from i am furious okay and i am sick of the church playing about in this because if we aren't consistent how can we expect other people to be do you understand what i'm saying time is short people are dying people are dying in our communities, people are dying. Because the way we've got to it, the pressure from social media, I see this every day of my working life. So you know when I know why love is sacrificial? Because love needs to be standing there when a young man, who we know are more at risk of suicide than young women, is there going, I've had a rubbish day, I'm going to kill myself. And they are. Friends, they are. That's how it is. There is now, you know Anne, don't you? We see it. There is now no connection or, or, or space in between their emotions and their actions and we are picking up the pieces of shattered lives suicide is an evil from the devil it is destroying lives and I pray my heart for the people and the families who have had to go through it but I'm telling you I am furious furious that people are playing church when people are dying right there are children in our town who will go to bed hungry tonight that should make us furious. Yeah. We should be raging about that. You know? And that, that, that preach from Christine Kane was great, you know, but we care more about being seen and what we're doing. Sometimes we do, friends, we do. And that's what we need to come to. If we are not spending ourselves sacrificially for the people of God, then you know what? Sunday mornings are pointless. Sunday mornings are pointless. This is really, really lovely to see you and it's lovely to be with you and we'll have a lovely cup of tea after. But if this is all it is, my goodness, then this is all it is. We will have a lovely time and this will be lovely, but there is more to life. God intended us for more than this. God intended us for more than sitting in church for two hours, looking at each other and saying how great we are. Do you understand? I'm sorry if I'm being hard. I'm sorry if I'm being hard. But I see it every single day and I am furious. And I need, I need a conduit for my fury. Because anger is no good either, is it? You know, I cannot justify my anger at it. All I can do is submit myself to God and say, you use me in any way you want to, to further your cause on this earth. And I don't care where you work, you're furthering the cause of Christ if you're there. You understand?
You understand? Retail, education, whatever. Full-time carers, full-time mums. You are furthering the kingdom of God if you are submitting that work to Christ himself. You are. You are important and our work is important. But time is short and we need to get our act together. Yes? Our love needs to be sacrificial. And a second point is our love needs to be redemptive. Daniel's actions not only furthered the kingdom, but further protected the people who were already rooted in the kingdom. People didn't just see what he did. They were protected by what he did because the king issued a decree after saying, you only worship this God now. We need to stand up sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we need to fight battles so we know that the people coming behind us won't have to fight them. Yeah? We want to fight battles that our children will never have to. They'll have battles enough of their own. So the things that we are fighting for now, they won't have to. So they'll be free to fight for the things that God wants them to fight for. Do you understand? So the work that God has put into our hands now, that's the work we should be clinging on to and doing. Isn't this great? Yay! Do you know what? We'll be turning cartwheels when we go out of here now. The can-can will be being done all in the vestry. People are going, yes, this is lovely. How do we do it, Andrea? It's easy. It's easy. I don't want anybody to get bogged down in semantics or into theory or into how do I act this out. It's really, really, really simple. We simply love God and love people. That's all it is. That is all it is. And if you read the Bible, you will find that is all it says. God says, love me, and now love people like I love you. And like I love them, actually. You know, I don't love you, Andrea, more than I love anybody else. I love you with all my heart, but I don't love you more than I love anybody else. And what we do is, is that we create sometimes a hierarchy for ourselves that says, well, surely, (laughs) surely, 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 the way I view me is simply just way more important than the way I view other people. And we can get caught up in that. We can get caught up in our own thing. And we can get caught up in how we want to see. And we miss the point of redemptive love, which is that the debt gets paid. You pay something for somebody else. It's a transaction. And that's what God did for us. So at its purest, love is sacrificial and redemptive. Because what it says is, I give up all of that and I'll actually give it for you. Do you understand? So that everything that we are and have is not only submitted to God, but everything that we could possibly do is submitted to God for other people as well. Do you understand? It's exciting. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Aren't you thrilled? Mm. I may need to process it a bit more, Andrew, before I actually commit to being thrilled. um, I'm clearly not sure what you're talking about. But we should be thrilled by this stuff. How much does God love us that he entrusts other people to us? That's what we are. God has entrusted the souls of others to us through him. He alone saves. He alone saves. But people are here with us, aren't they? He entrusts us to look after them. What a lovely God that he would entrust us with the lives of others. That's how much he loves us. He wants us to look after each other. Yeah? He wants us to look after each other. And that's what it is. And you know, I'm mindful if you read the chapter... It actually describes Daniel being led into the cave and the stone being rolled over and the king putting his signet on it. And the next day they had to roll the stone away. And you can't help but thinking you have the parallels of another garden somewhere where the stone was rolled over. But on that occasion, when they went back to find the body, he was already gone. Hallelujah. Our God lives. Our God reigns. Our God saves. 
There is no other God who saves like our God. And we don't have to make any excuses for him. We don't have to justify his position. Our God saves. And you know, through that huge turmoil, through that shedding of blood, the redemptive love of Christ means that we are now declared not guilty as though we had never sinned. Thank you, Pat, because you're the only one who seems a bit thrilled about that. You know what? He, you, it is as though... You stand before God as though you had never sinned. For the love of Jesus Christ did that. He has cancelled your sin. Amen. That's what the cross did for us. And not just that. It wasn't just legal. He didn't just justify us in that way. It was moral. He has sanctified you. He has made you a saint. He has put you in a place that we now have Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. So don't think that in your stuck moments, God isn't listening, because he listens diligently to the Son, doesn't he? And the Son will tell him everything you're thinking and going through. So all the prayers you can't even have words for sometimes, can you? Sometimes your heart is so broken, there's not even a word that sums it up. But Jesus tells that to the Father because he understands it. He understands what you need to say and you can't say. He gets it. And that's how our love should work for other people. When they have no voice, when they have no choice, when they are stuck in a place that they need somebody to advocate on their behalf, that is where we stand, church. We stand testimony for Christ Jesus in the most difficult of times and in those times we look to seek and help other people do we see the responsibility isn't it a glorious responsibility I can't believe God would trust me with that stuff you know I think are you sure I'm not doubting you BTW but are you sure but he says you know yeah I am sure because I have set you in royal position for such a time as this and that's what you are, friends. You are a royal priesthood, set apart and chosen by God. Why? To intercede on behalf of the people through Christ Jesus. God alone saves, and faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that is our salvation. But he has set us in place to love people sacrificially and redemptively. And do you know what happens when we do that? We feel his peace. We feel his peace. When we are loving God in his purest and loving people as we should, a peace enters our heart, a peace that is rooted in the death-defying love of Jesus Christ, a peace that is rooted in our eternal salvation through his death on a cross, a priest that stands witness for us to save us. Do you understand? The law is just a bunch of rules. It never brought life or saved a life, but the love of Jesus Christ brings life and saves lives. We want to see people turned around. We want to see our families changed. We want to see our workplaces changed. We want to see our communities changed. We need to learn to love people like Jesus loves us. And I pray, church, that as we do this, you will feel his peace. I pray his peace upon you. I pray his peace over your lives, over your hearts. But I pray most of all that today we would seek his love in a real way, in a way that we never have done before. For as Daniel went into the lion's den, sometimes it feels like we are. But know this, your God is with you and he is mighty to save. And he will be with you all the days of your life. So I submit myself to him this morning and I pray that your prayer with him this morning would be also that he would be lifted high and that we would learn to love 
other people like he loves us. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.